This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. From Glory Hole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 626 of Cognitive Dissonance. And Cecil. Yeah. We are joined today by a very special guest uh-huh. who we have not had on the show in over three years, but what, three and a half years? It's like this three point, and a half years. Yeah. It's been uh, a while. Dave Warnock, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, guys. Good to be here, man. I miss you guys. Hi. Now, hold on a second. Now, so people who don't remember, maybe they haven't heard that show, you came on a while back. Yep. Tell tell the people who you are if they if they don't remember exactly who you might be. Well, yes, um, I have discovered that there are a few people out there that don't know who I am. Shame I, on I, them. I can't believe it. Yeah, I don't I understand. <laughs> it. But a little over three years ago, I was diagnosed with ALS. I've been an atheist. I was an ex. I was an evangelical, charismatic Christian for three and a half decades. Um, a pastor many of those years. Are there any introverted charismatic Christians? That seems like <laughs> like a well, charismatic speaking tongues in front of everybody else. Like socially they awkward, awkward about charismatic yeah. Christians. Yeah, you know, just like there are oh, actually don't seem charismatic, very charismatic is kind of a weird word. It's, it's, it's not what you think of it. When you think of charismatic, you think of somebody who's who's really, you know, out there. But it's simply a, a term that evangelicals use to identify people who believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and things like that. So that was my, that was the framework I came from. Well, hold, on, wait, wait, hold on. Wait, are the yeah. gifts frankincense and myrrh? Is that what the gifts yeah. are? What? Are, oh, that's well, okay. Those, right. At least those three. Yes. <laughs> is, is one of the gifts charisma? No. It's just a box. Like, do, like, do they have to roll? Oh no. It's like the, the lion. They put a thing on you. You yes. get a courage medal. And oh, then that's, right. how that's how it that's works. That's how it is. Okay. We figured it out. Okay. got it. So anyway, I was diagnosed with ALS in 2019 and I started talking about living and dying and, and, uh, started an organization called Dying Out Loud, and and uh, you you guys we, we did your podcast. Um, gosh, right at almost the beginning of all that, I was doing all the podcasts and YouTube shows and traveling and speaking, and um, still doing it. Three years later, I just finished. Well, COVID shut down a lot of that shit. Sure, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. it just yeah. came from the American Atheist Conference. I gave the final talk on Sunday Easter Sunday morning. I gave a an atheist <laughs> sermon. It was. So how did it go? Hold on a second. I want to hear about that before we talk about your new book. So tell us how that went. My talk or the conference? The, well, uh, let's talk the about conference. your talk first, and then we'll talk about the conference. Well, I got a standing ovation. I guess that's a good thing, right? <laughs> um, I, I opened with a scripture, uh, the scripture that that my book is based on out of 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, as the former guy says. Um, <laughs> and, one. And, I uh, forgot about that 1 
I love the Bible, read it all the time. Let me quote from one first Corinthians. One, Corinthians. The, uh, one. God, I'm gonna hold it upside like down. Like that motherfuckers ever read a word of it? Oh right? no, no, uh, no, yeah. No. And then at one point I said, it's Easter, goddammit, show a little respect. And so that was the kind of message it was. <laughs> That's great. That the conference great. was good, yeah. clearly, right? I hear everybody had a great time down there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a great time and got to see some old friends and meet some new friends. And so yeah, it was a good time. So That's let's awesome. talk about this new project. You wrote a memoir. Tell us about it. Tell us why you wrote it. Well, I, I, my, I had a quite a story to tell. I, and everyone writes a memoir. I guess everyone thinks they have a story to tell, and all of us do have a story. Some are more interesting than others. Others, and I, I just decided I needed to to get my story down on paper um, with the journey that I had into and out of evangelicalism, and then the uh, diagnosis of ALS, kind of putting a a twist on my story at the end with a terminal disease, you know, catching up to me late in life. Um, and so I just said, I wanted to, I wanted to get it out there and I wanted to tell it. And, um, and I did. And so I'm really happy with it. It came out really well. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, incredible, really incredible feedback. Everyone that reads it says they can't put it down. It's they laugh, they cry, they are moved, all those things. So I have to say, you know, objectively, it's the best book ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we love having you on you're so humble dave that's yeah. why it's, it's uh, really a toss-up between his hum humility and modesty yeah, i don't know which one, know which, one book, which one wins yeah yeah my next is book is going to be called humility and how i attained it in three easy steps <laughs> <laughs> so does the so book go into does the book go into like your time as a as like an evangelical like a? oh yeah, yeah? It, it covers it covers my whole story from when I got saved, if you will, in, in 1973, I was a Jesus freak. And now, how old were you when you got house. saved? I was 18. So, so I wasn't raised in it, but I came into it as a teenager. Okay, so I know we talked about this, but it's been three and a half years. So right. I'm always, I'm, I'm fucking fascinated by that transition, like into yeah. religion. I'm, I'm, as I'm more fascinated by that than the transition out of religion, I guess because I can't identify with the transition into but I certainly can out of. So you're 17. Were you Christian at all? Were you like nominally, culturally no, Christian? No, wasn't raised in a Christian home at all. My brother, uh, a year older, went to college, got caught up in the Jesus movement. It was a thing in the 70s. It was kind of like a hip, the hippie movement with Jesus attached to it. And it was a thing that, that was kind of sweeping the country. Sex, and, drugs, and crucifixes? Is that the... Well, is that know, it? we didn't do the sex. We just did the crucifixes. This sounds Oops. terrible. It's literally like the best yeah. part, Dave. I know. We got the best part. So what do you that, have in the yeah, way of chastity and uh, repentance? I'm really... <laughs> I've been having too good a time. I'm a 17. I got to stop the I gotta fun. Stop it. You know what appeals uh, to 17 year old boys? <laughs> Chastity. There is, <laughs> there is some sex in the. There is some sex in the book. If you you know you, your your viewers might want to might, might want to look into it. There's Clutch a, there's your pearls, guys. <laughs> yeah. There are no pictures. No pictures. No though. pictures. No dick all right. That's fair. Yeah. So yeah, it it covers all of that in my my time as pastor and and losing family members and best friend dying and things like that happening to me through the years. And basically just, I, I, as I look back, as I wrote it, I was basically reliving my life. And I realized that all those years, God was supposed to be there and he never was, he never showed up. He was never, 
involved. And I lived, the, the God I believed in was a God who was present, who was involved, who was active, who answered prayer. Yeah, and meanwhile, and you're so, doing all the fucking heavy lifting. I'm doing everything. And that's yeah. when I realized late in life, I said, wait a minute, this is a one-way dysfunctional relationship. I'm out. <laughs> and um, that's kind of it. You know, it's, it, it, so yeah, that's the story basically. Um, and, and yeah, it, like I said, it came out really well. I'm very pleased with it. I were got you some still uh, preaching when you gave up faith. Like, were you still actively involved in preaching as your day-to-day livelihood or? No, I got fired from my last preaching job because I was too independent. <laughs> Wait, for <laughs> real? That? Yeah, got, I did. I didn't I was, even know you could get fired from being, I guess. You like, can't from a Catholic oh, yeah. priest. You could do literally anything as a priest. The Catholic yeah, yeah priest. They, they're pushing that on. I mean, they really, yeah. yeah. I mean, even sexual They'll abuse is not They'll move you to another fireable. parish if you're a priest. But yeah. no, I, I got fired. And and then a couple of years later, I, I was really examining my faith and what I believed and why and came up. It, it just really came up short. We talked about that before. Yeah. That's not uncommon. There's lots of deconversion stories out there. But um, anyway, that's, yeah. So that was so in about when, when you got your ALS diagnosis, did that, did that force it? Were you at all tempted to reconsider your faith? No, no, not for a now, second. Once I, not, not, not for a nanosecond. When, yeah. Once I was done with faith, it was, you, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah, it, yeah, it, I, it was, I can't see you how can't you rebelieve something like that. You know, it's like, it'd be like trying to rebelieve in Santa Claus, you know, that you just can't. And even though, that I was, I'm facing a, a terminal illness. There was no sense, nothing, no part of me that, that thought, okay, maybe, you know, okay, God, just kidding about the atheism thing. Let's, let's talk, you know? <laughs> well, but that's such that, a common that, like thing that the Christians, you know, well, wait till something happens. You know, no sure. atheism yeah. foxholes. Deathbed confessions. Deathbed, yeah. Yeah. Or not yeah. confessions, conversions. conversions. Confessions is Conversions. Yeah. And, and it doesn't that, happen. Bullshit. Yeah. It's no, total never. bullshit. Yeah. It does not happen. Yeah. It's, it's a straw man that they make and it, it's not a real thing. And I've, I've done, hundreds of of shows since we talked i've i've traveled and spoke and i've i've got my own show now and i do it every monday night it's a live youtube live stream show and and i've had callers i have callers on that and uh, that's one of the more common questions i get is you know did you consider returning to faith or are you afraid of dying or what do you think happens after you die you know i've talked about that for the last three and a half years and there's no there's nothing changes it it, it is what it is you did know? you did you reconsider reconnecting with the people that you lost through your faith deconversion? Well, I, I've always tried to maintain. I have reconnected with one of my daughters. Uh, the other one still um, is disconnected from me by her choice. I, I never removed myself from anybody in my life. If friends and family cut me off, that was on them, not me. I've always maintained the posture that if you can accept me for who I am, then we can do life together. We can be friends. We may not disagree. We may not agree on everything, but I'm not going to cut you out of my life and say we can no longer be friends. And so some one of my daughters in the last year and a half has started um, reconnecting with me and I'm seeing some my grandkids again oh, a couple great. of times. I've, I went years without seeing them though. And um, I don't know why she did. Um, I, I haven't changed. I'm as, I'm as out there in public as I've ever been. I'm as anti-evangelical as ever in and her and her husband uh, lead a church in Florida. So wow. if, you know, like I said, if they can be okay with who I am and not ask me to be someone different or to act differently around them, then, then I'm okay with that. So I'm, I'm curious, do they have, <clears throat> and, and if this is too personal, it's fine, but do, do they have relationships with 
any other non-religious people or people of different faiths other than Christianity? Or do you think it was just, it was too close when you lost your faith and left your faith that they couldn't, you know, it's, it's such a direct challenge. Yeah, I think the the posture they adopted at that point was, and they were in a church that promoted a kind of shunning, so that their position was that if they continued to embrace me and and accept me as their father, then they were essentially embracing my atheism. And their position was that I needed to repent and return to God. And I, I couldn't do that, and I told them that. But I, I don't know what's changed in, in the five or six years since they had that position, but I'm, like I said, I'm as public and, and vocal as I've ever been in my life in terms of how I view evangelicalism and the dangers it poses to this country. And sometimes you live a little life and you learn that everything's not black and white and that there's gray and that there's nuance. And perhaps they've, they've seen that. I don't know. Is shunning, I didn't, I, you said, I just, I'm latched onto that now. I'm just curious. Like I, I didn't know shunning was a feature of evangelicalism. Of the more fundamentalist, yeah, the more fundamentalist the group is, the more they're prone to something like that. Um, huh. Because they have a very strict uh, set of guidelines in terms of what you can and can't do in order to be okay. Um, you know, the you, you typically think of shunning as the more uh, far right evangelical or uh, fundamentalist groups, and there are evangelical groups that are fundamentalist enough to practice that. Huh. But it's usually a small group, and it's usually led by a real. Um, controlling, manipulative, narcissistic pastor, which is what they had and what I was a part of at that point. When, when, when you lost your religion, how old, like how long had you been in, uh, in like in the evangelical movement? Three and a half decades. Okay. Is that all? 37 years. Yeah. So so 37 (laughs) years. So, and, and how long ago was that from now? Like how long ago did you become? That was 2011. So it's about uh, 12 years. So you hadn't had much contact with your daughter in, in that long in like 10 years. No. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot about that in the book. Um, cause I, I go into great detail as to what happened and, and, and how that went and how that affected me. It was a very dark time for a few years. And then I realized, I realized I was letting, that experience write my story and sure. I, I had i had to come to a place where i let that go in essence and and basically I, the way i put it is i took the pen back and began to write my own story and and i basically said i'm going to finish my own fucking story and i'm not going to let anyone else or any circumstance write my story and um i, I there's just a place i had to come to you can't live in that place of of uh, sadness and depression it'll eat you up and I had to just let them go, basically. And and I, one of my daughters is still gone. I can't, you know, I reach out every now and then. I don't hear anything back. Damn. But I wow. can't let that. I can't let that consume me. I I have to live my life. It's the only life I have. When you so you're looking back on these three plus decades as an evangelical, I'm sure you wrote a lot about it. When you were revisiting it in your head and you're writing this. Do you have fond memories of that time? Do you, did, are there, are there like when you're reminiscing about it and writing it, were you, were you happy and, and did that feel good to reminisce about it? It felt odd to be honest with you, because I was putting myself, I really kind of got back into the scenes, if you will, 
um, and put myself in, in the present day, you know, as I walked through those years and it was, it was a bit surreal because, um, I really let myself experience the things and, and have the conversations and, and feel what I felt then. So yeah, to the degree that it was enjoyable, then I felt like, look, I looked at it. I looked back at it as, as though I was reliving it. And I remember thinking, this is good. This is what I should be doing. This is God's will. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed it from that standpoint. But at the same time, as I'm writing it, it was a bit traumatic because I, spoiler alert, I knew how the story ended. And so <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was reliving it, but still I knew where this was going. And so there was a lot of trauma there in terms, I mean, there were times I just had to quit writing and, and go sit and just think and ponder and, and process what I was reliving. And there were times it was emotional. I mean, if I was cre- recreating a scene that, that was laden with emotion, I would, I mean, I wrote every day. I went every day to a coffee shop near here and spent about two to three hours a day writing. And I would be, my voice, my hands don't work very well, so I can't really type. So I'd be voice to texting. And every now and then somebody in the coffee shop would overhear me. I tried to get away from them, but I, I, I mean, I'd be crying, you know, not bawling, but you know, crying yeah. and there was emotion there. And I'd look up and I'd see someone looking at me like, Holy shit, what's going on there? And then then, you, then um, you hold up your coffee cup. It's empty. It's empty. <laughs> no one will help me. <laughs> I've got ALS, goddammit. Somebody <laughs> Okay, be honest. You've been milking the fuck out of this. Let's be honest. Come on, man. Oh, I play that. I play that fucking card every day. <laughs> oh yeah. It's the only card I got, man. That's it. I've it worn it out. Hey, I've worn hey, it out. Hey, if you got a shitty card, you still got to play the fucking card. <laughs> got the card. Oh, the fuck. I was at this conference and I had a lot of friends there and people that knew me and my partner was there. But when she wasn't around and I needed uh, something, I'd just say, hey, can you give me a cup of coffee? And everybody is, you know, I, the thing I found is that's beautiful is that I, I've got so many people in my life now that, you know, who know my story and follow me and, and have been what they would say inspired by me. And I I don't use that word lightly because I've just heard from so many and they want to help. They want to do anything for me. They, and, and to not let them is to take something away from them. And I've had to learn that because it's not easy to let people do stuff for me. I've been independent my whole life, but when someone wants to do something as simple as get a drink for me or help me with my food or, or, or take me somewhere, um, I have to let them do that because it's, it's me giving them a gift, if you will, if that makes any sense. And so it's been a learning process for me when we travel, I've got a guy here in Charlotte, a a retired guy who followed my work and just reached out and said, what can I do for you? I want to help. And so he's become my personal Uber. When I, when we're catching the flight, we're flying out Saturday to Houston to speak at an oasis there. And he said he comes and gets us at the house and takes us to the airport, oh, picks us awesome. up when we come back. Just anything he can do, he wants to do. And there are dozens, hundreds of people like that uh, around the country, literally, that, you know, if you're ever here, I want to buy you a drink. I want to buy you a meal. Stay at our house. It's just it's just overwhelming and and beautiful what I've experienced in these three years doing this and the people I've met and the connections that are truly, truly beautiful. 
All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a totally unfair question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Compare now that you've been a part of the secular community for a while, and 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 really not just a secular person, but really involved in a community of secular people. Right. Compare that with the community of evangelicals. Like in in terms of just yeah, just just give me a give me some thoughts on that on how they compare. I'll tell you what the biggest difference is, and I'll I'll, I'll share it by expressing what a friend of mine told told us we went on a vacation with some friends uh, some atheist friends recently and um one of them they're they're from missouri and one of them um has been an atheist for a long time the husband and the wife didn't deconvert with him but has kind of gotten connected with us as a group of friends and has gotten to know us and has been at several getaways with us and is has started to see these atheists as, as she puts it, better people, because she says, it's the only people I'm ever around where I don't feel judged. And the biggest difference between the atheist community or the secular community and the Christian community is Christians have a set of rules of guidelines that you have to adhere to and live by. And if you don't, then, then you're going to be scolded or shunned or, corrected or whatever the the terminology that would use is there's not a sense of that in the secular community. It truly is. You do you and I'll do me. It's a free thinking kind of world. There is no dogma to adhere to. So that's the biggest difference I've experienced in the Christian world. You're always on edge, making sure you measure up to the standards that are, that are imposed by whatever group you're a part of. So did your politics change when you deconverted? No, 108. 180 degrees. Yep. Really? Yeah. I would imagine they'd have oh, yeah. to, right? Yeah. Was that well, hard? Because in that world, in that so world, like you a Mitt Romney to... voter or something. Hold on a second. No, in that world, you have to be a conservative. <laughs> you know, you have to. Yeah. Because were you anti-abortion uh, and all that? Like, you yes, just, yeah. yes. Anti-abortion, anti-gay, um, all the things that I, I strongly advocate for now, but no, I shifted. I mean, I, I just, you have to believe certain things if you're going to live in that world and get along with everybody because there's no free thinking there's groupthink, and so yeah i was compassionate toward lgbtq but i didn't embrace their quote-unquote sin i felt like abortion was was wrong and so those are ideas that i flipped on 180 degrees i i don't yeah so, all of my politics shifted so, so this is something i i, I want to poke at a little bit out of curiosity so obviously then your values changed Right. So if your politics shift, then that's a that's a shift in your values. So do you think that you are held back by religion from pursuing and understanding your own personal health, personally held and decided values? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I've said many times I'm a much more moral person now as an atheist than I was as a Christian. And what I mean by that specifically is I don't look at people as good or bad good or evil, right or wrong, black or white. Everyone is a human doing the best they can to get along in this world. Whereas before there was judgment attached to someone's behavior or how they viewed things if they didn't line up with my worldview. And that's that's not a moral position. That's a very judgmental position to to hold. And I did, I, I've told people, I had an evangelical Christian on my show and it broke my heart because at the end of the show, I told him, you are a better person than your theology. And, and many Christians are that way. Their theology is holding them back 
from being a better version of themselves. Yeah, I, and, and I, that's I, what I was thinking about when you were yeah. describing that. Like you had to, exactly. the, your, your values were probably always this and this box of, oh, and, but, and then, yeah. but you couldn't but they get were held access back. to it. Yeah, they were held back. Exactly. I couldn't I access the better, the better humanity. I couldn't access the better part of me. So I feel like I'm a much better person now because I don't hold those judgments. Well, it's also just a, a difference between being handed something and making a decision on your own whether or not you think something yeah. is morally correct. And that's, that's a good a, point. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Like, like you know, yeah. like when you just hear the preacher say this is wrong and then you just internalize it, you didn't do any moral thinking. You right. Just, you the you just yeah. listen. Yeah. And so, you're just lining up, you're yeah. just lining up with the group and, and obeying. Then exactly. that, that's that's not a moral position. Yeah. And but when you thought about it, you considered it, you might have changed point. your point, your your mind on certain things and and that that's made you a better person. And it's made you, you know, the other thing too, is that it, that's transferable so much easier than just being told something, right? Being able to explain a moral position to somebody is so much easier to like, yeah. to convince them and to, you know, to gather around. It's just a different, it's a different approach. Um, yeah. So, well, and, and to that point, um, and I talked about this at the conference uh, in my talk and, and I called the talk, put putting away childish things that kind of played off my, Book title. The book title basically comes from a scripture, and like we so said before in one Corinthians. When I was a child, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and and behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's what I think I did when I let go of Christianity. Is is I put away childish think, childish things and immature thinking. But I I talked about that at the conference and I pushed a little bit at the secular community because I see us do it in the atheist world as well. I see us do it in the secular world where we are handed um, some ideas or some thoughts or some dogma even as an atheist. You can be dogmatic as an atheist, just like you can as a Christian. And I see people do that and then they cancel or block or, or shut people out who don't line up exactly with their, with their frame of thinking or their line of thought. And we, we can't do that. We need to be free thinkers. We need to allow people to come to a conclusion, and if they don't agree with on, on a particular point, as long as it's not some you know like sexual assault kind of thing or or something that's a major deal breaker, sure, but if like it's just racism a isn't is it like somebody's a racist? There's no yeah, communication. You can't, like you can't we, communicate we with can't, the racist. Exactly, I yeah. can't I can't co align with them. But if there's a point we disagree on, I don't have to shut you out as a person and say we can never be friends. And, and not only that, I can never. I, I can never connect with somebody that's associated with you. That hap that's happening too much in yeah. the secular community, and we need to we need to address that. I think. And so, I talked about that. I think Seth Seth Andrews he he was there, and he 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 kind of tweeted and and th and put out some things on my talk uh, the next day, and he's gotten a lot of blowback. And so this, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of discussion going on about yeah. this kind well, of thing. Yeah, well, you know, I think I think it's fine to set up boundaries. I think setting up boundaries is fine. But there are and there are some hard issues that you just don't want to have a conversation about. Right. I mean, clearly, like yeah. you don't want to I'm, I'm not going to have a conversation with somebody who denies trans rights. Right. Like that's exactly. not a, that's not a conversation anybody wants to have. But I do understand yeah. your point. Like, you know, like we need to we need to get into nuance and we need to have conversations where people might disagree on a certain point with us. And I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. And everything can't it, be yeah. a hill to die on. Yeah. And we're, we're, no. we, we, and we fucking gray. dig our heels in. And everything is a litmus test. Yes. Yeah. Everything's black and white. And, and th that's the thing I was saying. It's the binary thinking that does damage. It's the black and white thinking where there's no nuance and there's no gray. 
And we need to be trying to find the gray. Now, if I come to a place with someone where I can't find the gray and there's just, like you said, a place where we can't agree, then I'm, I'm going to just move on and disagree. But I don't have to, uh, you know, say this is the hill I'm going to die on. I just say, well, this is not something we can agree on. So when you're doing these talks, you're traveling all over the country. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? What is what are your you know, give me give me some ideas about what you're traveling and talking about. Well, the the dying out loud message, if you will, it kind of distilled into really more about living out loud and and making the most of the moments that we have in this world, that we have only one life. There's a quote that I got early on. It's from a poem and it says, you have two lives. The second begins when you realize you only have one. Hmm. And the, the point of that is that coming from an evangelical framework where this world was just a prelude to the real world, that this is a dress rehearsal for eternal life, that's bullshit. And we know that this, well, as far as we know, this is the only life we have. And so what I talk about is, well, I've alluded to it before, writing your own story, not letting other people dictate what your life looks like. If you're not happy with the course your life is taking, it's on you to change it. Take the pen away from whoever's writing your story and write your own fucking story and make the most of the moments because that's all we have. And so the, those are the kind of things I talk about and, and living, uh, not being afraid to die, People ask me all the time, are you afraid to die? And the reality is when I die, I will cease to exist, but I won't be aware that I cease to exist. I'll go to sleep and I won't wake up, but I won't be aware that I didn't wake up. Right. And there's really nothing to be afraid of there. What, what I'm afraid of is not grabbing all the moments that are available to me and not living my best life. So those are the, those are the, a lot of the things that I do talk about. And, and then, more lately, um, putting away childish thinking, which is immature, binary, black and white thinking. So, so you're in this unique position where you, you had this very strong, very deeply held faith tradition for 30 plus years. And I wonder, do you think, and I speculative, I realize, but do you think that you would be more afraid to die if you believed in heaven and hell? If you had any inkling, oh shit, maybe I'll go to hell. Yeah. And what I've found as I've been doing this for over three years now is that the Christians that I encounter are more afraid of death and more concerned about it than the atheists. Yeah. And I don't know all the reasons for that. It's a bit puzzling to me. But one of the ideas is what you just alluded to is what if what if I got it wrong? What, what, What if I did choose the right God or choose the right religion or make say the right prayer in the right way? Uh, what if I mess up right before I die and I'm forgiven? Um, a lot of those things. Um, I've said many times that dealing with a terminal illness as an atheist is way better than dealing with it as a Christian because I don't have to factor God into it. I don't have to ask, well, where's God in this? Right. What's God think about this? Is he going to heal me? Is this judgment? Is there sin in my life? None of those questions come into play. It right. is just a thing that happened, yeah. period. Yeah, as a, as a religious person, you probably got to have some sort of Job-like reflection when yeah, you it, get that. It'll fuck you up. Why yeah. me? It'll yeah, fuck why you do? Yeah, yeah. testing me. How did this happen to me? Yeah, people, Dude. you know, when they say, "Are you upset that it that you got ALS?" and my uh, my response is, "Who am I to think that I shouldn't?" I mean, it it a certain number of people every year are diagnosed with this and, and other diseases. And it's just a random chaotic world. And it happened to happen to me. 
if I was to be angry that I was the one that got it, there would be some assumption in me that I didn't deserve this, that I'm somehow above this or better than this. And who am I to say that? That's that's a bullshit response. Yeah. Did, did you did you think there was when you were a believer, did you believe in an actual hell like that you would that that people die and they actually go and they're tortured for all of eternity? I sure didn't want to, but it was a part of my theology. And again, like the LGBTQ issues and and abortion and, and some of these key uh, theology points, um, they were troublesome. Yeah. And I, I actually I let go of 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 the idea of a literal hell uh, quite a bit before I let go of, of faith altogether. It was one of those things that I just came to the conclusion kind of secretly um, that this can't be real. But the problem with that is if you throw hell out, you kind of got to throw heaven out because it's talked about together. Right. 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 And if you start throwing all that stuff out, what are you going to hang on to and why? So it starts falling apart when some of these key points become too problematic to continue to embrace. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I think about the idea of, of dying and, and like, we don't, we don't have to wrestle with, and it's such a, it's such a gift that we don't have to wrestle with that binary question of whether or not, cause then, then you start trying to imagine like, Oh fuck. Like what if I did something wrong and I'm going to be tortured? Right. You start to imagine right. these torture sure. or you start to even imagine like, God, what, what if I go to heaven and it's boring, you yeah. know, like I don't understand an idea. I wouldn't want to live in eternity. Oh, right. Trust Sounds me, horrible. it would be. Yeah. You the know? heaven as described in, in scripture and, and oh. Christian theology is one of the most boring things I can think of. I, the idea of I eternity just, is terrifying. It's like, yeah, even yeah. if it's a fucking, you know, Krispy Kreme, it sounds awful. Yeah. Like, I, well, that's actually, yeah, even if you're having donuts every yeah. morning, playing golf all day and having bourbon and cigars every night, Every single day, seriously, yeah, yeah. right, yeah, it, and and the hell thing, it you know the being afraid all the time of hell is yeah. a feature of religion, not a bug, right? That's in religion to keep you in line, right? So oh, it's a the, control factor, exactly. So the fact that you were afraid of that sort of thing, thinking about that sort of thing, and maybe if you had contracted this before. And would have been thinking about that sort of thing that would have maybe changed. You know I mean? Like that's cause it's literally ingrained in there. It's what they use to control you. It's mm -hmm. how yeah. they do it. So, yeah. you know, of course you're going to be thinking maybe I didn't say or say this prayer, right? Cause God is a fickle God. At least the ones that they tell us about is right. like, that's a oh, fickle yeah. God. God. You can piss exist. him it's off just by just, looking the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. He's a jealous, <laughs> yeah. he's a jealous, petty asshole. Yeah. Honestly. It's, it's interesting As too, because you, when you talk to like, like I've talked to religious people and I've had them say things like God isn't, God isn't like Loki. He's not trying to trick you. And, and I, and I always want to say to them, but that's not what your book says. Like your book. Yeah. It, it definitely portrays your God as someone who is trying to trick humanity into not believing in it. So, you know, like, what is it? You can't just yeah. pick one. You And they and they can never really answer that question. Oh, it's the whole thing's a, a setup. I mean, from the Garden of Eden on down, you know, don't eat from this tree. You'll die. Wait, did you just put me here and you gave me this tree, but I don't know good and evil yet. So what right. there's a, is this a trick question? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, yeah. Like a, it's like a fucking bad relationship where like your girlfriend is always testing yeah. you, you know, like yeah. sending a friend over to like, God's I'm going to see. Well, you yeah, right. You know? <laughs> 
It's like it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy this, town uh, bullshit. Does this does this dress make me look fat? Wait, <laughs> what? God damn it! I can't win this guy. I can't win. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, uh, now when you were writing this book, did you think it was gonna it was gonna be the thing that a lot of people were gonna be able to connect with you? Like when you sat down to write it, I mean, yeah, what was your purpose? What was I mean, your an yeah. audience there? Well, I, I've said that I, I wrote it mainly for me. I needed to get it out. Yeah, I needed yeah. to get it down. I wanted to have that, that thing that I left behind that anyone, anywhere, anytime could read. Yeah. I wanted to take the, t it took me a couple of years um, of really hard work. And I wanted to go back through and process everything and make sure I didn't leave anything on the table as I come to the end of my life. I wanted to make sure that, that I finished well, if you will. And I, I knew when I finished it, that it was, that it was good. I, I knew that we had, I had a, a, a woman who's a professor of English literature. She helped me write it and we really crafted a good book. And I was really, I, I knew I didn't want to write something. I mean, I, I, I'll just be honest. I've, people have given me their memoirs and I read them and they're just so shit, you know, and, and <laughs> some of them are just, just not good. And I didn't want to write a shitty book. And so I didn't know that it would, have the impact it has uh immediately i started getting um feedback like you know I, I i read it in two days i couldn't put it down i cried my way through it um i listened to it i listened to the audio for 12 straight hours i couldn't stop you know those kind of things started coming all over and over again i thought oh shit i've i've really touched a nerve here and really helped people process their own journeys and even people who didn't go through evangelicalism just said, it's just a damn good book. It's a great story. And so I really, um, it, it was better than I had hoped, honestly. And uh, Seth wrote a, a blurb for it. Daryl Ray wrote a blurb, Dan Barker, and said really good things. That helped me have some confidence when I heard back from them that, okay, we, we've, we've done a good thing here. <laughs> did you Did you find it like at the end? Was it the catharsis that you wanted when you started out to write it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. I really, um, when I, when I finally finished it and it was, I knew it was done and I, I closed the last thing. I thought, man, this, this felt good to, to relive this and to know that I, that I did my, one thing is it helped me to realize I did my best. There's a quote I heard a while back that I, I it's been attributed to Maya Angelou. I'm not sure if she said it or not, but it says, do the best you can do until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. And it helped me to remember that all of those years I gave to that lie was me doing the best I could. And that's all we can do. Right. It's the best we can do. What a great way to look back on that and not be yeah. resentful. Right. And yeah. to not uh, yeah, resent. Or regretful. Yeah, regretful yeah. or resentful. Yeah. Because I've talked to a lot of people who they're pissed off all those years I wasted. And I had those, I went through that phase and sure. resentful. You know, I was tricked and I was duped and uh, wasted my life. And, and, but I, I, I've regret is too costly of emotion to live with. And resentment is too costly. And it just doesn't, it doesn't serve us well to, to stay there. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask one, one last question for me, but I think about, I think about my life all the time in, in these, in this idea of always, I think about legacy about what mm -hmm. am I, what am I leaving? You know, I could, I get hit by a bus tomorrow. 
And what have I done? What have I left behind? What, what physically and well, tangibly and not 600 and something podcast, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, that's part of the reason, you know, like I, I, yeah. it, it, like I have always for a long, long time, I've had a burning need to leave some kind of a mark because like you, I, I fully recognize like at any moment, there's nothing special about me. I could get hit by a refrigerator from the sky. Who fucking knows, you know? Right. And, and, uh, so this book and the, the work that you're doing, do you think of it in legacy terms? I kind of do. I don't, I don't get up every day and think, well, what am I doing for my legacy today? But as I look at the body of work, yeah, like you guys would with your podcasts and the things you've been doing for so long. Um, yeah, I can't help, but, but acknowledge that it is a legacy and that it's always going to be there. Um, and, and, and anybody down the road years from now can pick it up and it'll be something that is a bit of me that's left behind. Right. And, and, and so that's, that's a good feeling. It is, it's a good thing to know that, you know, it's, it's not like I don't want to be forgotten because, you know, at, at some point we're all forgotten. And, and the reality is I won't, you know, again, I won't be aware. No. Right. You won't know. Nobody's, nobody's thinking of, nobody's <laughs> thinking about, you know? we're not, we're not going to be thinking about that shit. So, so it's not nothing I can do anything about afterwards, but it, it does feel good to feel like you're leaving some quality work on the table that somebody can benefit from down the road. Do you think your legacy is stronger because you left faith than it would have been if you had stayed as a pastor. Oh, fine. yes. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And, and I, cause I wasn't talking about the right things. I was again, doing the best I could, but I wasn't doing the right things in life that truly help people. And even if sometimes you can think you're helping someone and you're doing damage and, and, and in large part, I did that. But on the, on the other side of that, on this side of faith, when I'm, when I'm talking to people about life and death and the things in life that matter, I feel like I'm truly helping them instead of just spitting words out into the air. And, and the irony of all of that is that I feel like my legacy is, is actually improved or benefits because I got diagnosed with ALS. Mm. And that's a real mind fuck because I'd rather not have ALS, but the fact that I've been able to turn it around into something useful, it feels good there. And I feel like that never would have really happened if I hadn't got diagnosed. So it's, it's kind of weird to think about it. So I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, what's the name of the book again and where can people buy it? Childish things, a memoir. Uh, I'll try to hold it up. All of my hands don't work very well. Um, It's a picture of, me and my mom circa 1958 let me see if i can pick it up there we go there we go that's a great picture what a great wonderful picture yeah that's awesome and so i asked my mom she's my mom's an evangelical christian and she's disturbed by my atheism but she wanted to read the book and i asked her are you okay with that picture on the front and i said she said yes i said well it shows what a beautiful lady you are And and she says yeah thank you so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great picture for a memoir, but it's on Amazon, um, on all, in all the formats, audiobook, Kindle, paperback, hardback. Um, people can write me if they want a signed copy. I do that. Um, 
it takes a while because it just takes a while because we're traveling a lot, but they can write me at DaveOutloud at gmail.com or go on the website, uh, DaveOutloud.com, and they can find all the things there. We'll make, sure, we'll make sure to include all that in the show notes. What's the, uh, what's the YouTube show you're doing now? Tell us about that real quick. It's called That GD Show, hmm. and it stands for Genevieve and Dave. She's my co-host. Or you could say that goddamn show. That's, that's uh, where my mind went. Yeah. We're okay with that. That's where your mind went. I know. <laughs> it's a it's a live stream uh, every Monday night. We're going. We've been doing it at seven p.m. Eastern. It's going to nine p.m. Eastern starting in May, and we have guests on. Um, we have con- we do conversational kind of shows, uh, different topics. We, we're gonna like I said, we're doing an abortion show. I've got Mandina coming on. Uh, to do uh, black non-believers soon. Um, just we try to do topical conversations. We take calls from viewers if they want to call in. So it's just something that um, is a little bit different, and I'm very very happy with it. It's going well. That sounds great. Excellent. We will put a link to that in this week's show notes too. Dave, thank awesome. you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks so much. Good to see you guys again. Great to see you, Dave. Okay, so Tom. Yes, sir. Before we continue on with the show, yep. I want to tell you about a story. So I, I go out to my mailbox. I'm now living not in Chicago, not in downtown Chicago. I live in the suburbs now. And I go out to my mailbox and I got a hand. It, I'm not going to hold this up, but it's it's clearly written by hand. By hand, yeah. Right? And I don't know if you're getting any of these, but there's some companies out there they're doing this thing where they make a, their font look like it's handwritten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've gotten any of these. I have, yeah, like and advertisements so and Immediately shit. I thought, oh, this is 100% garbage. garbage. Yeah. I, this is going to be garbage because somebody hand wrote this. I'm like, this is, but they probably didn't. It's probably printed. And that's what I thought when I walked away from the right. print, or from the, from the yeah. mailbox. So I come in and I look and it's got my first name and last name. So it's addressed to my last name, Cicerello. And it's spelled correctly, right? So it's got my oh. first and last name on it. And it's from someone... I'm going to tell you their first name. It's from Alexis, and it's from the town that is two two towns north of here. Okay. Right? So, yeah. um, so they they sent me this letter, and I open it up, and it's an actual handwritten letter. I can see it's like on like notebook paper, and like three ring binder, initi- wide yeah, ruled exactly. notebook with paper. a binder thing in it. And now I initially uh, thought it might have been a child. But I don't know if it's a child or not because most people don't handwrite things today anyway, and they're not in practice. So yeah. it so may just handwriting be is te- handwriting, handwriting, is, handwriting genuinely is terrible now that we have keyboards on everything. So it doesn't, you don't is, need it. Has right? your handwriting gotten worse over yes. the years? Yeah, mine sure is atrocious. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here it is. My last name Cicerello. So it starts, Dear Mr. Cicerello. Mr. Mm, Mr. Honorific. Yeah. I am writing to invite you to a very special event. Oh, nice. That will be attended by millions of people. Millions? All around the world. Seems crowded. It's the anniversary of Jesus' death. (laughs) 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 Oh my, where are we attending? And then it says, do we all have to go? I don't know. I mean, it seems like it'd be a long line at the funeral. Like you got invited. You got to get those guys though to carry Jesus who are like boom. boom oh boom, yeah, boom, boom, you know those, those guys, dancers, those dancer like, oh, yeah. guys, right? Dude, That's who you need. If if you outlive me, yeah, can you? you do get, I have get, to fly you to like wherever? I'll fly to Africa well, or wherever because it it's happen. Africa somewhere. I don't fly know where. them in if you got. It's to. like Sierra Leone or just, something. I just want I want Dancy Coffin, dude. Can you do that for me? 
We can sacred pledge, Dancy Coffin. Now, is it is it Dancy Coffin or can it just be a single like really good dancer with the urn? Okay, that's acceptable. Okay, that's, all right. If okay, but if but it's he has an to urn, break dance, break dance. I was gonna say, <laughs> I want I want somebody just kicking some fucking sick feet up in the air. Like, all right, okay. So you get you got and invited to Jesus' death. the anniversary of Jesus' death, and it says, if you would like to attend, attend a call, and there's a phone number on here to attend the anniversary of Jesus' death. Sincerely, and the person's first name is Alexis. Alexis, and what? I initially thought this was like. Mom made somebody write this, but I have no idea. And I did not call the number. Oh, I would have called it. Really? I would have called it. I would have been, I wouldn't have been mean. I don't want to get somebody's phone number. That's a real person. I think this is a, this is the line for their church. That's what I think it yeah, is. Yeah, probably. Should I call I it now? Been, yeah, call it now. Let's see what it is. It's okay. 847. Uh-huh. It's a recording. I'm curious. I'm so curious. Thank you for calling Jehovah's Witnesses. This is Thomas speaking. How may I help you? Oh, I'm sorry. I've got the wrong number. Forgive me. Jehovah's Witnesses, buddy. You got Jehovah'd. You got Jehovah'd. So it's like the hotline for the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the hotline Witness. for Jehovah. It's not Alexis. No, that was not that definitely was not Alexis. Yeah. That was Joseph. Oh, you could go to like one of those like squat. I kind of feel like I want to call them and be like, you guys sent. The message to an atheist. Why would you do that? But they're like, we don't believe in atheism. But I don't believe in you. <laughs> then we're mutually not here. <laughs> That's mutually assured destruction, right? Come there. On. <laughs> I realized I got You two, got Jehovah. I got witnessed. Witness me. Have you ever seen that uh that uh Fury Road? No, uh-uh. Oh, there's no. a great part. You know, I can't tell you the part, but there's a great part when uh People they take they take uh what seems to be ether that's like spray paint and they okay. spray it on their teeth and they scream witness me and then they blow themselves up. Jesus. And so we just got witnessed. We got we witnessed. Did, we didn't have to spray paint our I teeth. I wonder though. I wonder if they're gonna come like door oh, knock. They better not. They better not. We we have we have signs on our thing that's like don't fucking the, knock on my just door. Just leave me alone. Yeah, don't yeah. knock on my door. Have you ever had people do the knock and knock? No, not not one. Not since we put the signs up, we haven't. We've actually had people walk up to our thing, look at the sign, and then leave. I have never been in in any home I've ever owned ever. I have never had anyone come try to convert me or tell me the good news. Oh, or, I, I'm never. just talking about like like salesmen or whatever because they don't do. Oh that yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I get those. I get I get random. No, we don't. We don't get it anymore. I seen people come up, look at the thing, and then walk and then away. Peace yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. Have you? But have you ever been like like has anyone tried to like witness to you or anything? Like never. I've you know, never no, been. I've never had it either. I've never been approached by anybody who's a Mormon, and I've never been approached by anybody who's a. Now, in Chicago, on the street all the time, and I would just say I don't have time for you, and I would just walk right. right past them. So I don't. But I. But I don't. Yeah, I've, so never had a, I've never had a person like walk up, yeah, them. knock on the door, or just people handing out. There's Buddhists down there who ha- try to hand you jewelry. There's, I mean, there's a that's just myriad, a scam for you to pay money. There's that's a myriad of yeah. people though that are trying to, or they'll hand you pamphlets. I've seen Buddhists trying to hand you pamphlets okay. too. So because like, I know, like the uh, that was like a a, a shtick. The uh, oh, who the fuck did it? The Moonies, I think they they hand you like flowers and stuff, and then they, you know, now you've taken something, you feel obligated. For reciprocation, oh, when and they you gotta ask give you them for money. money. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's, they they try to leverage gotta, that rule of reciprocation. You just gotta maintain higher heart eye contact and saying no, and, and then put the flower put behind the flower your ear. like right yeah. in your like yeah, like right behind your ear. And oh then, yeah, like Jesus, pull it down, put your hair down over <laughs> the flower, and then just walk away. Just bite yeah. the head off the there flower and look him right in the eye while you crunch it. <laughs> 
Darren and I have a policy with Old Glory Insurance that covers us in case we're attacked by robots. They're everywhere. I don't even know why the scientists make them. This story comes from Christianity Today. Healthcare sharing ministry, Charity, which is just such a shit name. It's such a shit name, Charity. It seems like, it sounds like when two celebrities are dating and they slam two it words together. It does sound like, like that. Like Benefer or something. Right. Like it's Charity. Some fucking lazy it's Charity. portmanteau. It's very, it's so very fucking lazy. lazy. Exactly. That's it. It's lazy So fucking portmanteau. lazy. It's like a portage manteau. <laughs> <laughs> you got to carry your canoe It's like with a you. Portland manteau. <laughs> Fucking hippie ass man. Tell uh, so charity leaves ten thousand families with millions in unpaid bills. Fucking yikes! Man. So we've we've talked about these like Christian not insurance insurance scams yes, before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the, just if you're not familiar with them, what they do is they look exactly like insurance. They, in terms they build of the, themselves yes. almost as such. Yeah. They use every word other than the word insurance. So. They, they promise a series of benefits. They outline what those benefits are. They use yes. words like coverage. They, <laughs> which they don't mean. Which, yeah. which nothing is covered. They yeah. say things like dependence, yes. like all the words and the verbiage that you're sure. used to seeing around insurance. But what they really are is a big aggregator of other people's fucking money, which also is insurance. And then they sit on it and never pay anything. So it's just like insurance. With religion, yeah. <laughs> but also but no insurance like regulations. Yeah. Right. And it's not like insurance in the, the sense thing. that they, they, they try to get out of every single claim. They were saying something like they pay 15, 15 cents on, on the dollar on, for claims on the dollar for claims, which, and the, and the, and the difference, we've talked about this because fundamentally you run into the same problem with this that you run into with say uh church run schools or sure. church run daycare, yeah. right? Is that if there's an insurance company out there they are regulated by insurance the by the insurance industry a, yeah. and by insurance commissioners yes. in the states that they there's, operate in there's multiple regulators there's so multiple many regulators, regulators. around yes. insurance yeah if you're some religious organization and you're specifically you're a religious charity you get to do with your money as you yeah. see fit yeah there's no regulators and that's yeah. it exactly yeah and you get around all these other things they don't have any of that regulation and yeah absolutely and there's and there's the one thing that you have is a ton of religious people left holding the bag, yep. thinking they were going to get something and they bought into it because there's a smiling faith believer on the other Absolutely. side, looking at them and saying, I love you. Uh -huh. I want to help you. Yep. And Absolutely. that's what it is. Yep. And that's all it is. They're fleecing the flock, man. And they fleece the fuck out of them. Yep. Fleeced them so hard that they had to go bankrupt yep. in order to cover all like to, to get out of from underneath all these claims. And I want to read what this guy says. And this is a member of the board who, oh, after they decided to go bankrupt, this is what he said. Oh my God. I know. He said as a Christian, I felt it was not right to leave our members hanging like that. I can't tell you how many times since then I have sobbed about all those tens of thousands of families who are without means to pay their medical bills. For many of them, I'm sure it destroyed their lives. And I just wonder if they can just go to their fucking lender, the medical lender, and be like, I have this bucket of CEO tears. Right. What will that <laughs> buy me? Is there any way that this gets right? me out of crushing medical bankruptcy? No? Okay. Yeah. yeah. What the? That and a fucking, that and yes. $2 will get you some soup somewhere. Yeah. I don't give a fuck how sad you are. Nope. 
No, and the bullshit thing is, he gets to feel sad, say he's sorry in the general direction of the sky, and he gets to be a morally upstanding citizen. I'm again, so sorry right? that this is how That's this the whole out. thing. I'm sorry that this has worked out this way. I say that from the mansion I built from you. Precisely. Yeah. Tens of thousands of families. And the other thing that makes me fucking insane about this is that this is tens of thousands of families who are seeking to get insurance sort of like off the grid, right? So yeah. there's a lot of people that get insurance from Absolutely, their work. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people who don't get insurance from work for a variety of other reasons. And we have a really great system where they can go and log in and get insurance that covers them and that they can understand yes. and they can find yes. different. And that's fucking Obamacare. Yeah. Right. So like we built that and the right shit on it. Yeah. And the right is full of these religious people. And instead they created this other worse thing. Way and then worse they thing. shit all their money into the worst thing. Cause like, I don't trust that government, but I sure do trust Jeebus. Yeah. And now look, they're fucking broke. They're broke. They're broke. And they're, and they're going to, they're going to bankrupt how many of their, their followers, these yeah. people that are, you know, these are the religious people that are following this and they're going to bankrupt how many of them. Yeah, tens of and, thousands. And they're all they're going to be is sorry for it. And you know what? Everybody eats shit, right? Because, you know, if you're, oh, yeah. if you're a hospital, yep, yep. guess what you didn't get? Absolutely right. Fucking pay. Absolutely right. Right. And then your bill goes up and my bill goes up. Medical and costs I gotta go pay up. all these other costs because that money's got to come from somewhere. They have to pay that doctor. Right. That doctor has to get paid. That so, MRI machine so, has to yeah, get like all the facilities and, and all right. the people and, and doctors on down to anybody who works, the electrician that the sets janitor. everything up, the right. janitor, the, the receptionist, the person who works on their phone system, the server guy, all of them have to get paid and they got to get paid somehow. And they get paid because they work on people and they collect that money. Well, that money's not coming from anywhere. Those people went in with an idea that they were going to have their medical bills paid because they paid into this charity bullshit. And then they walk away with nothing. And then and they're, and they're stuck and they're going to go bankrupt and they're not going to be able to collect that money. And those people are going to suffer because of it. And the hospitals are going to suffer. And we in turn are going to suffer. We all suffer. It's, it's so ironic that... The people in, involved here that are spending the money on charity, they're operating in good faith, right? They're operating in a faith in good faith. Yes. And it, it, they, they are the ones left eating the shit. Yep. And then that shit cascades and ripples. And I'm just, when I, when I think about this, it's like, this is such an American thing because it is a broken system that is connected to another broken system. Yeah. And when those systems that do not serve the public collapse and combine on one another, it's like this fucking rolling dynamo of bullshit yes. and, and money spent on nothing. And this is, we spend more money per capita than any other industrialized nation in the world on healthcare and insurance. We spend more. This is, it is a bad system and we fix it with worse systems and, and then religion is worse than insurance. Exactly. And there's also, you can tell from this, a rugged individualist idea yes. about how great it is for me because I'm off that grid, because I'm not Absolutely. doing the things that they're trying to get me to do. Yep. This is the, this is the health insurance. They don't want you yeah. to know about. This is what the let's go Brandon set. Yeah, this is right? what this is what those people who believe that 
you know, a little bit of apple cider vinegar will cure you. Yep. Those are those same people that are going to wind up holding the bag when their kid's fucking arm broke. And they're like, sorry, arms are pre-existing conditions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had an arm before Look, it broke. Come on. He couldn't have he broken. He was just waving that thing around like a wacky waving inflatable arm. Oh, playing I'm sorry. Men. It says here he was on a playground oh uh, sorry playgrounds are excluded your kid coverage. has to live in this bubble <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry we only cover incidents that happen in church in a pew <laughs> sitting see that's the problem the rest of this book is written in code god i hate books sister comes to the new civil rights movement Christo fascism in a nutshell. <laughs> you can't. They it. fucking pinpointed yeah, this right? perfectly. Yes, Absolutely they did. Absolutely perfectly. DeSantis mocked for banning nearly half of all math books claiming CRT indoctrination. So CRT is critical race theory. And uh, they're going, they're fucking going book banning bonkers. Yeah. They are going, Florida is absolutely like on the vanguard of intentional illiteracy and like biting hands that feed you like oh, Disney. I thank you. Holy thank you. shit. And There's literally you, no reason to be in Florida except for see, Disney. I saw today too, that this thing that's happening with Disney, which is Disney kind of has its own little County, right? right? So Disney is like a Disney self-governing. It's like a self-governing yep. Disney County. And it's so that they can do all the things without having to reach out to the counties to do any of this extra work, right? right. So like they maintain the roads and they they have their own cop, uh, police and whatever because yep. they because they're so big, they're huge. You can't it's expect you know that sort of service, so they just do it on their own. And they're sort of a self governing little area down there. They're their that, own magical kingdom. But here's the thing, though: if you suddenly take that away from them. It's billions of dollars in taxpayer money to then fund all the things that they need. Yeah, right. So all the things that they need, they got to start tapping in the local counties around there. And those counties are going to have to fork over billions of dollars in order to keep that running down there. Yeah, and if you're Disney and you get your fucking britches in a twist, like you could relocate. It would be a big deal. Would Don't get me deal. wrong. It would be a lot of money. It would be money. an enormously would be big, big deal. deal. But if you're getting fucked, you're, you're a company that has so much money Yep, and you just start, you could, you could maybe even leverage, you know how they always get people to like, get them to uh -huh. come. Yeah. You could maybe even leverage with one of those sunshine States to help to pay say for your relocation, help pay for the relocation and we'll move there. Yep. And Disney's then suddenly up shop somewhere. The fuck suddenly else. Disney is in. You know, Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Or it's in, you know, maybe it's closer to this side. Maybe it's in North Carolina now right. or something or in Georgia. Yep. You know, it's in a different place where they say, look, we're going to self govern ourselves. Man, this is it's biting the fucking hand that feeds you. Amazing. You pissing off like one of the largest employers and one of the largest income generators. You're the ones who wanted capitalism, guys. Yep. You're the ones who love capitalism. That's capitalism. But you know what? Even more than that, you guys are the ones that insisted, insisted, you went to the fucking Supreme Court and insisted that corporations are people yeah. with a right to conscience. There you go. Yeah. You guys made that happen. You guys fucking, you guys made Hobby Lobby a thing. You guys made Citizens United a thing. The fucking right wants corporations to act on conscience as long as it's their conscience. As long as it's their conscience. Well, now Disney is acting on their conscience. That's a conscience, great point, Tom. And it's like, it's whoa, a wait a minute. Point. Now we're going to fucking penalize you? Yeah, that's a great point. I wonder if they could go to the, go to like, 
whatchamacallit and be like, no, man, I'm allowed to do what I want. You can't do that. Yeah. I, th but I think what they're doing instead is they're just do like, like these people a hundred percent weaponize their office to yes. attack other people. Yes, absolutely. That's what, that's what Trump did when he was in office. He weaponized anything he could to yep. hurt other people. DeSantis is the exact same way. Yep. He weaponizes that office to go after people that make him mad. Yep. And hundred percent. He just does all that, that, I mean, this is explicitly retributive. Yeah. Like there's exactly. nothing. Exactly. It, it's out loud and everything. Exactly. It's crazy. And then he's, they're talking about math books. Oh yeah. Math books. He's like, and they won't release the math books. They're not releasing. That's the thing is like, and people are like, really? How the fuck are math books full of critical race theory? Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, they just are. And they're not releasing the fucking math, at least at least as of when I looked at it well, a day or two ago. You can't say gay, so they can't do binomial factoring oh. anymore. <laughs> Tom, that's the reason. Non-binary numbers. Non-binary numbers. Everything has to be pre computer programmed down there for non, because they can't do any non-binary anything. They can't say gay. Oh, it's amazing to me. It's so funny. They're so Fragile. knickers in a twist, and they are so fucking control that's so big government man it is it's the biggest so, government it's the biggest government how do you look yourself in the face as a republican who's like i'm a big big britches swinging free government type and you're like look at they want to take books away from people they want to take so many books and it, they want to they want to make it so you can't say things so you can't ex i mean it's like unbelievable man the the banning books thing has grown wildly out of proportion, like wildly out of it. Like I'll tell you from, from our local school, like just personally, like our local school is looking at like the, the Facebook page for the high school that one of my kids attends. And like, there was like a book of poetry, like feminist poetry. And there was like pages in it that discuss They're fairly explicit poems about sexuality. Sure. Yeah. And like, but this is in a high school. Yeah. A high like, school should also, have, High school should have mature material. Yes, absolutely. And also, like, it's not like people are like, whoa, let's pass around that book of feminist poetry. Like, people aren't, we're, they're so, this is all fake. It's all manufactured, but the parents have bought into it. Yeah. And they're all over these fucking Facebook pages. And they're trying to go to get on, and this is where it's problematic. They're trying to get on the city councils and they're trying to get on the school boards and they will gain seats. Yeah. And they will start taking books out of classrooms and literature. And I know that like I'm biased here, but like literature fucking matters. Like the stories we tell, the narratives that we have, yeah, man. the things that I'm we hold you. dear about who we are as people, we write that shit down. I'm with you and I hate English majors. I fucking hate <laughs> them. So I'm with you. No, but I'm with you though. Yeah, I'm like with you. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a literature guy. Like I, yeah. didn't, I took one fucking elective class in it in, in college, right? I didn't have a literature background. Right. But I recognize how important it is, and especially transgressive, like deep, sometimes provocative material yes. is necessary. It is it's necessary, and it's necessary to help young humans grow up into adult humans. Absolutely, all the things I had to like go through on my own to like become an adult, the things that pushed me and the things that formed me were those things that were provocative and that shoved me in a position that made me think. And those things fucking matter. And if you start plucking all that shit out of there, you got a giant idiot circle that only yes. agrees with you. And there's nothing in there that can, that, that could stop. You know, how many people, and I may be wrong on this, yeah. but is there like a huge 
huge thing on the right or on the left to like stop books. Do, do we have? No, a thing I've that, never heard of it on the left. Never, I don't ever know heard of, of it. I mean, even like Mein Kampf, I don't hear anybody being like, "You need to ban my." If a if a copy of Mein Kampf is in a school library, it's for archival purposes to understand what's in it. I it's want research. people yes. to read my comp, to understand the mindset that went in it. Absolutely. I would love a class that taught something critical about that book. I don't think you should ban it. Don't take it away from people so they can never experience it or never understand it and always keep it away from them. There's no way to contend with it. If you forget That's history, exactly. you're doomed to fucking repeat it, man. It, it, like getting rid of the, getting rid of material about Sex and sexuality does not make sex and sexuality it doesn't disappear, go away. Right? Getting rid of difficult material does not mean we don't have to contend with difficult issues. Right. Like one thing that literature does better, I think, than anything else is it allows us to see through other people's eyes and we build empathy and understanding about ourselves yeah. and about people that we are not like. Yeah. And about like lives we did not live and about times we did not yeah. experience. And if we reduce our ability to see through other people's eyes, we become less empathetic. Absolutely. We become less Absolutely. knowledgeable. We become less human. Like we tell stories for a reason. Storytelling traditions are part of what create humanity. Like we, the idea that you would want to reduce exposure to those few people who are still interested in seeking out poetry and literature right. makes me fucking sick. It's disgusting. It's crazy. And I can't believe that it's that, you know, like it's something we grew up with. I don't know if you remember this sort of thing. You might be a little too young, but the Soviet Union, when I was a kid, this was what you were told they were doing. Yes, yes. Was this was stopping. the story of communism. This was the story yes. of that I was told my whole life that the United States doesn't do this. We don't do that shit. We, we respect that people should be able to look at difficult material and learn it and learn about it and understand it. Yep, yep. And I don't, I know that wasn't true because I know the education I got didn't include the Tulsa riots. It didn't include right. the, you know, the hard parts about history. It included a lot of daughters of the Confederacy fucking bullshit, bullshit. that yep. I was taught growing up. So I understand that that wasn't true, right? I get right. that it yeah. wasn't true, but I thought it was at least an ideal that we believed in. Right. Yeah. And that's important. Right. That's important. And I do think that like, depending on the school, depending on the teacher, it can at least be true. You're right. But it can't right. be true if we ex if we explicitly remove those materials. Yeah. It's so funny to 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 live and start building a world that is it is so similar to dystopian literature. It's just so right. fucking ironic. Right. You know, like Fahrenheit 451. Like this is not this dissimilar. Is this, this is, is like this is it. Like yeah, maybe the TV is not a wall TV. Instead, it's your fucking phone. Yeah. There's literally like almost no other difference right. at this point. Right. There are book burnings. Yeah. They are removing ideas from your kid. And the thing is, too, if you're a parent, you should want this material because you should want your kids to come to you and say, "Let's have a con." This should be jumping off points yeah. for conversations sure. that you want to have with your kids yeah. that otherwise you might not have an ability to start. It's fucking essential. Yeah. So I'd like to thank our patrons. Of course, I'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd like to thank our newest patrons, Tresa or Tressa. Is that Tressa? I'm going to go Tressa. 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 Jaga. Okay. Operation Shame John Roberts into supporting us on Patreon. <laughs> 
Clank Trucking and Ben, thank you so much for your generous donations. Thanks, we really man. do truly appreciate it. Glory Hole Studios appreciates it. And of course, our two employees that work diligently to make sure the podcast gets to you and there's funny memes in your Facebook feed. They thank you as well. They do. And they won't thank you if we have to fire them because we have no patrons, <laughs> <laughs> which we won't do. So thank you so much. Thank we you, really, do, we really do truly appreciate it. You guys are the you guys are the wheels on the bus that makes this whole thing go round and round. Got a little bit of messages we want to cover. Uh, we got a message from Andy who tells us about truffle fries and uh, how they might be a Pacific Northwest thing. No, they're totally here too. The truffle fries are a big deal down here. Um, they normally, uh, you know, take a nice uh, some kind of French fry. It depends on what kind of place you're in. And they will normally douse them in truffle oil, which I find personally a little overpowering and not very appetizing. Um, yeah, we were, talking, we were talking about this a minute ago. Like, I love, I mean, I fucking love mushrooms. I love mushrooms more than most people possible. But I don't dig truffles, man. Yeah. It's too, it's, it's like, it's got this like dirt scent. Like, and it's an earthiness that's just beyond the regular mushroom, yeah. man. I there's can't a, do it. There's a pungency to truffle smell in oil that really turns me off. When they dilute it in that oil or they 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 diffuse it yeah. in that oil, it it really accentuates a flavor that is that that that, that a, a smell actually a scent that is really unpleasant for me. And so I have to kind of choke it down if I'm eating it. And I, I, I actually, when my wife goes out, she doesn't even order it anymore because it can overpower a whole table. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. too much. It's just, I think it's, it's too not much. for me. It's yeah, just, I, don't I, dig it. I, 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 I understand. Eat what you like. I do understand the, the, the draw of it, but it's, but it's just one of those things that's just not for me. Yeah. I so. thought I was going to love truffle oil. the first, Cause yeah. I, like I said, mushrooms are my fucking sure. jam. Yeah. But no, we got a message from a disgruntled UPS er UPS -er. Yes, sir. Up, sir. And uh, they said, uh, just so you know, um, you know, that the job may have paid, UPS may have paid quite well back then, but they haven't really upped the wages since then. Shocking. At least, at least from what we're looking at here, yeah. the wages upped very little in the 20 years that has been, you and I were probably Fucking in the shocking. market for that job. Yeah, man. And, and it's still from her description a fucking rough place yeah, to work. Yeah, a rough place to work. They really rough place you. to work. They care. They And this was this was very much the, the tone that we saw, that I saw. I worked for UPS very briefly. And it was the tone that I saw was the, dri the driver was the position you wanted to get to. Oh, really? You wanted to get into that driver position because that was the, that was the good money. They had a good union. And that was the, those were the people with the real power. The other people were like, like they the were loaders just, and pickers. They were the blood in the gears, man. They were man. the blood in the gears that make it roll. And they were going to pay you, at least back then. This was a much higher wage back then. Yeah. A disgruntled UPS. -er. It was a much higher wage in comparison. So, yeah, I mean, they were paying you well, but you had to fucking work for And you weren't going to work there for a long time. Tom, we got a couple of messages about male birth control. It was a very sort of a denim conversation last week, yeah. but a bunch of people sent in messages and I know you wanted to address it. Yeah, so I, I, I want to correct myself. So um, yeah, I, I had to read through several articles and it's funny because um, in my lame defense, but many of the articles that you read about this are written in a really slanted way. So you actually have to dig um, into better quality journalism to, to really get a sense of what happened. I made the claim that these that male birth control 
uh, was stopped or research into it or clinical trials um, were stopped because men complained about the side effects. That is not accurate. Um, in fact, and they dropped out of the study. That's not accurate. A, some men did drop out of the study, but not a significant number by comparison to other clinical studies. They were stopped by safety review boards who decided that the side effects did not outweigh the potential benefits. Right, right. So it wasn't worth going through. It was it. the boards. And I yeah. it, and I also minimized those side effects, which, you know, I said it was like, oh, it was acne and, and mood swing changes and libido increase. And I minimized them because several articles I read minimized, minimized them. them. But I will tell you that when I looked into it, the acne that is described is severe and persistent and scarring. And that the mood changes include depression, severe depression, and suicide. Wow. So like, it's not, it's not like, you know, they got a little testy and had yeah, a zit, testy. which is how testy, <laughs> uh, which is kind of how I made it sound. Yeah. So yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. I just want to say, that. I, I, you know, the thing is, is like, sometimes journalism put, has its own slant on this. Yeah. And the headlines for articles that I saw on this topic were exactly as you described. Men drop out of this. Right. Men drop out of this study because of the side effects. That's what the headlines were, and it doesn't get the full effect of they were stopped because the the side effects were severe, and the boards were the ones that looked at it and said that's too severe. It's too severe, and then they compare that to the potential upside, right? So, like, yeah. if the side effects were as described a moment ago, but it was to treat cancer, maybe they would sure. continue it, right? Yeah. But it's to treat something that's like really a lifestyle choice. Yeah, right. And, and the so, woman's problem. I mean, let's right, be real yeah, honest. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. And, it is. and that's one yeah. of those things too. Someone else had mentioned or sent in a message about how, you know, I mean, while there are many responsible guys who do that and would absolutely use this thing, would women automatically trust that the guy did it? if they're the ones who have to deal with that burden. Yeah. And, and I, that's a tough right. thing too, right? It is. You would probably almost certainly have to be in a very committed relationship where you trust your partner ex explicitly right. to do the things that wouldn't wind up with that. Because, because they, there's, like we talked last time, there's no skin in the game. And so, you know what I mean? Like, so there could be someone who says, yeah, don't worry, baby, I'm on the pill. Right, right. Which is, and I, I've heard that claim a bunch of times. And I guess I've always, I have never imagined a world where a couple is having sex and it's like not a committed relationship and the guy is like, don't right. worry, sure. I'm on the pill. And yeah. then they have- But people uh, can be very I, convincing. Right. Right. No, no, and they can sure. lie. And, you right. know, so- I've always thought of this as like, man, like every party involved should protect themselves and their interests. Sure. So like, I don't want to impregnate somebody because I don't want the financial exactly. burden, for Exactly, sure. And so someone might do it for that right. reason. And the other thing too is like, like I say, like you're in a committed marriage or something like that. Right. It's a great, then that makes sense. It's a great thing to have there too. Right. So I did want to address that yeah. because that was a brought up. Right. Um, so I did want to address Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So Alex Jones filed for bankruptcy, but we got an image about Alex Jones. <laughs> and this is from Seth. We're going to put it on this week's so show good. notes. We did not talk about Alex Jones's bankruptcy on this week's show but we're kind of saving it for when Knowledge Boy comes on so we can gibber with them about it. But uh, but anyway, this is great. We got a long voicemail from Susan. You can leave voicemails for us. Um, remember, I want to remind people, 25, 30 seconds is the sweet spot. If you can give me a 25-second voicemail, a 30-second voicemail, and keep it brief, 
I may play your voicemail on the show. Now we have that option. If you go to our website, there's a little microphone in the corner. When you go to our website, you click it and you can leave us a voicemail. You can also, if you don't want to type something, just leave us voicemails and you can leave an up to two minute voicemail. Right. Now, don't expect that if you leave us a two minute voicemail, can't I can't give you yeah. two minutes of the show. But I just want to encourage people and we got a message. This is from Susan and Susan is a union a rep and someone who helps promote unions in in Texas. And they told us all about the struggles that they have because state laws and local laws really do hamstring unions from organizing. Yeah, they ripped the teeth right out of it. She said they, they can't even go on strike. Yeah. Like the, you know, the 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 strongest option in the union arsenal. Yeah. And it's it's pulled Can't out from underneath it. them. Can't even use it. Thank you, Susan, for sending that. And if you want to do a voicemail, remember, you can do it. And if you want to maybe get it on the show, make sure it's brief, make sure it's to the point, and make sure that you record it in a good environment. I was and, just say, yeah, don't don't record it on the street like hailing a cab. Yeah, that know? would be, you know, that would we probably won't play that. But I'm just saying, you might get a voicemail in the future. Who knows? You might get your voicemail in. Tom, this is a union comment. This is from Glenn talking about Kansas City uh, and the, the Frito-Lay workers there. And how difficult their strike stuff was. The stuff they had to do to just even get... Yeah, It's crazy. It said the reasons for the strike per the union were that employees were working as many as 12-hour days, seven days a week under mandatory overtime, which employees often referred to as suicide shifts. Wages had been stagnant for 15 years, and the new contract only promises a low merit-based increase of up to 2%. Yikes. Some union members said their wages had only increased 77 cents Per hour in the last 12 fucking years. yikes. Yeah, we fucking need worker protections. Yeah. We need worker protections like this guy who says, sincerely, a unionized three-day work week Canadian. What uh, the fuck, Glenn? That hurts, Glenn. Glenn, can, can you hire me for the other day? Like, just hire me for one of your days. Yeah, And right. then you adopt me, Glenn. And then I, <laughs> I have to live with you. I don't, I do eat a lot. So you'll have to buy a lot of food. That will definitely, you will definitely have to go to the store quite a bit. And, uh... But other than that, I mean, you, you got me, right? That's that's a benefit, right? Is it? No, though? I don't think it is. No. Mm. Tom, this is a uh, message about marginal tax rates. And I think two people sent this in, but this one is from Bryce in yeah. NYC. So thank you so much. And I, I know I said on the last show, and I want to correct myself. I said on the last show, and I was wrong, that uh, wealthy people use charitable contributions to change their... Uh, tax burden by moving themselves into a different tax bracket. That's inaccurate. Um, it, I thought that that was the case. I had actually read that, that but I, that's just inaccurate. Um, it's not true. I did a bunch of reading today because I was trying to figure out, well, how does it work? Yeah. Um, and, and I read several articles and it's fucking complicated. Um, it often involves donating things other than money, but donating appreciable assets um, and that shit gets fairly complicated, fairly swiftly, more complicated in the email section of the show. Yeah. But I do want to make sure to be corrected. I was mistaken about that. That is not how charitable contributions benefit the wealthy. There are many ways the wealthy people use charitable contributions, sure. including, by the way, uh, setting up, I will say, including setting up charitable foundations yeah. that they funnel money into yeah. that never actually do any charitable work. That's fucking crazy. I was reading several articles today about like, tax havens, charitable tax havens, where they set up these foundations and they're 501c3s. And then like, they just don't really ever do it. Some don't even have like a website. They don't even have a fucking email address. 
I will just say, on if paper. there's any very rich billionaires listening, I will happily chair one of these fake yeah. organizations for you. I I'm, will go to the bank for you. I'm pretty cheap. 10%. Pretty cheap. I'll I'm take 10%. Cheap. <laughs> if you give me enough money, you go into a different tax bracket. I'm just saying. <laughs> Got a message, um, and this is from Brent, and a bunch of people commented about this right after we covered this story Crazy, last man. week about this woman who got baptized by a police officer and then wasn't able to sue the guy who filmed it, but yep. was able to sue the person who did the actual baptizing. And this guy was like a like a rough and tumble, beat the shit out of a bunch of people, cop yep. who had always had run-ins with whatever that governing body yeah, is like that the governs the police, affairs internal whatever. affairs division or whatever. Anyway, the woman who was suing is dead. She is dead. They and don't know what happened. They don't know what happened. So, wow. There you go. That's weird. That's not at all suspicious. That's if you're feeling suspicious, crazy. You should think long and no. It's fucking so suspicious. It's super suspicious. I hope they find out what happened. Yeah. But that is fucking crazy, Man, right? hopefully it's not foul play. Hopefully it's just just a coincidence. God, what a terrible thing if that was foul play. Ugh. And uh be sure this week, you got to be sure this week to check out the Thinking Atheist YouTube page because yeah. on the Thinking Atheist YouTube page and I'm not sure if it went to his actual podcast yet or not, but he interviewed us on uh, his show, The Thinking Atheist. Great time. Seth Andrews did, and we had a great time yeah, a good and talked about our book. Our book is called The Grand Unified Theory of Bullshit, and it is available on Amazon. It's also available as a download MP3 audiobook read by Tom, myself, and Michael Marshall on our website. So you can go check it out. You can buy it, um, and you can buy it there. You can buy it on YouTube. But he interviewed us about the book and it went, I thought it went great. Go check that interview out. Go go over and look at Seth's video because it turned out, I thought it turned out really good. It did. Yeah. It was great. A lot of fun. So that is going to wrap it up for our show. We, uh, we want to thank Dave Warnock. Uh, great guy. Who just wrote a memoir, Childish Things. Uh, it's on Amazon. You can pick it up. And Dave also has a YouTube, uh, YouTube video series called That GD Show. And it's a call-in show. Uh, we'll link to it on this week's show notes. We want to thank Dave for coming on. A wonderful guest and just a, a really wonderful guy to talk to. Uh, check his book out. It's on Amazon. We'll have links on this week's show. Also, we did a video podcast with Dave, so you can check Dave out uh, on the video. We actually did a whole video, yeah. so that's on YouTube. Remember, we're begging people and bothering people and shoving people <laughs> and making people uh, go over to YouTube to uh, subscribe. We're getting closer to that 10K mark. Come on. Which is really pathetic, but we really just want to get over that hump. So if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, please go over. And you know, chances are if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, you haven't checked these videos out. And we're doing, I think, pretty good videos. So go check it out. Yeah, if you go like the out. show, you will You'll like the video. probably like the video. And you could give it's it the show. up thumb and then comment to say, hey guys, I like the video. And those are great comments to get. They are. So thank you. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. 
Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands. Bloody. Evidential. Conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.